Hey there, Gianni here. Just an update for you. This episode of Pixel Sift is one from our other podcast. It's called Mainstream Episode 9. This is featuring Sarah and I talking about Crossy Road Castle and Rainbow Six Siege. Now, Mainstream is a podcast where we talk those talk about those high-profile games and huge blockbuster stories that you might have seen in the news. If you like this, you can have a listen to it in your podcast player. Just search for Mainstream Pixel Sift. Or you can find a link to it in the show notes of this episode, or you can head over to our website where you'll be able to find links to every platform. That's pixelsift.com.au. We'll be back with you later this week to record another live episode on Thursday the 19th of March at 8.30pm Australian Eastern Daylight Time. You can watch live on twitch.tv forward slash pixelsift. Give us a follow. And if you love this episode of Mainstream, we'll be back with you Sunday with a brand new episode talking about Animal Crossing, New Horizons, and Doom Eternal. Hope you enjoy. We'll see you later this week. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Mainstream. My name is Gianni. Good to be with you again on the podcast. And joining me tonight is Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Gianni. I am indeed joining you. It's very exciting. It could be any time. We don't know because you might be listening to this today, tomorrow, the future, whenever. Um, here at Pixel Sift, we've made our name delivering some of the best indie games coverage in Australia uh, and around the world. Uh, this is Mainstream Episode 9, and on Mainstream we discuss, that, discuss those high-profile, those blockbuster uh, games that you've been playing recently, uh, as well as digging into the back catalogues and what we've been reading in the news. Now, Sarah, you've been playing uh, a lot of a game very recently, uh, and it all kind of Wait. came to a, <laughs> a, a head last night, or like a, I guess, what is it, an Apex? Or, no, that's the wrong type of game. What have you been playing, Sarah? <laughs> I have been playing a lot of Rainbow Six Siege because I've been competing in a women's tournament lately. Well, I competed in my first match last night, and it was it was very fun and very exciting and very new for me especially. But what have you been playing lately, Jim? I have been checking out the brand new, as in just released in the last week or so, Crossy Road Castle, which has come to Apple Arcade. It's made by Hipster Whale in Melbourne, probably one of the biggest and most high-profile uh, mobile game development studios in the country. Um, and this is the follow-up up to their game Crossy Road uh, which is was massive 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 anyway Crossy Castle Crossy Road Castle let's jump in shall we excellent sounds good Australia's best video game podcast subscribe to Pixel Sift on Apple Podcasts Spotify and wherever podcasts are found so what exactly is Crossy Road Castle? Now, I think we all know what Crossy Road is, but how do you make a sequel to something like that, that well, big and that popular? I don't know. Does everyone know what Crossy Road is? It was huge, but it's basically Frogger, right? If you've ever played Frogger, yeah, you've got to move yeah. your character across a screen in sort of increasingly difficult sort of paths, um, and uh, there's obstacles moving from left to right at various speeds. Um, so Crossy Road Castle is more of a traditional platformer, actually. Um, it, again, sort of works through different uh, sort of modes. Uh, you basically move through different rooms through a big castle. You're moving your way up a tower. Um, and you can play as a, up to four different characters. 
at, at the time. So basically, it's a four-player game, which is kind of a you know departure from the single-player experience of Crossy Road. Um, and yeah, you got to scale this castle, and there's lots of elements in there uh, that you would know from from other platforming games. There's spiky floors, there's bouncy things, there's um, barrels that shoot you all around the map, and there's coins to collect. Um, and the challenge is basically to see as far as you can make it up up the castle every single run. Um, and yeah, so I've been playing it recently on the Apple TV uh, using a PlayStation controller, which you can hook up to your Apple TV now. Um, and yeah, it's been a really sort of interesting experience to to get into it. So is it is it cooperative, or are you trying to um, mess around other players and beat their scores, or do you just kind of all play it along the same like at the same time together? You all play along together, and I've actually played it with a with another player. So I've played it in two player mode, and basically the challenge is you need to see if you can make it through. Uh, you've got a limited number of lives. You've got three lives. Right. At yeah. The start. Do you share lives, or do you each individually get three lives each? You do. You do share a pool of lives, but you only lose a life once every single player is dead. So for oh, example, cool. yeah, yeah, I like that. So basically, what can happen is I could be jumping through and I can hit a spike, um, but if one of the other players is still alive, they can make it through to the exit, and we don't get penalised for that, and we can continue on. So that's, that's kind of very good. Yeah, it yeah. seems like a fun way to kind of like keep that sort of thing, and you start cheering for the persons uh, who are still playing. You're like, come on, make that jump, and all of that sort of thing. So that's really sort of a fun, sort of collaborative way to to play that game. Um, yeah, that's it's sort of an interesting sort of mechanic. I I did initially think that the game was um, procedurally generated, um, but it actually sort of seems like there's a number of sort of puzzle pieces that can kind of be slotted in at any time. Because we, as I played a number of times, I realised that there were similar puzzles that kind of reoccurred in different positions. So, you know, sometimes they were the first rooms that we we're in, sometimes they were more challenging, and it kind of seemed like the game was sort of deciding which the next challenge would be based on sort of how we were going in the in the experience. Right, right. Have there been any particular moments that have really stood out to you in, in I guess, the, the first week of releases you've been playing? Yeah, the thing that made me really smile was when I came across those. Uh, they're, they're basically the barrels from Donkey Kong. Um, you know, you jump into them <laughs> and you shoot across the map uh, and they can send you in different directions. Some of them move, some of them rotate, and there's all that sort of strategy and timing that comes from that. Um, they're like, they even look the same. They've got the big, they're kind of yellow with an arrows. Um, and they were the, when I saw them, that just really made me smile because it rem- reminded me a lot of those Donkey Kong games. But the soundtrack is just, it's killer as well. It's really enjoyable. Um, the the sound effects are a little bit um, kind of quirky and funny. Like when you when you die, yeah. it makes like a sort of sound, <laughs> which uh, which is oh which I think would appeal a lot to or like an all ages audience. Um, but yeah, the soundtrack is great. It's just like this sort of bumping sort of um, r- sort of retro arcade, almost semi. Uh, Sega sort of chip tuny sort of style soundtrack. Um, yeah, really, really, really fun. Excellent. That sounds very exciting. And if I had any any kind of Apple device, I'd probably be checking it out. But unfortunately, I don't. But for those out there listening, you absolutely can too because it is available now on Apple Arcade, yeah. playable with a controller, as Gianni said. It's available on iPhone, iPad, and Apple TV. Very exciting. Yeah, I think um, what is interesting, though, is we've seen some of these games which initially launched into Apple Arcade uh, then appear on other platforms as well. Um, so, Absolutely. So the game that one of the other games we actually talked about on, um, on Mainstream before, Sayonara Wild Hearts, um, which is on Steam and it's also on Nintendo Switch. So I 
can't see why a game like this wouldn't appear on something like a Switch. Um, it almost seems perfect for it. It's got a, you know an instant four-player experience. Uh, it's really colourful. It would work really well in a handheld ex- um, play as well. You can play it in... Uh, you know, in landscape, or you can play it vertically if it's your phone. Definitely, yeah. So, yeah. Especially being a more traditional platformer by the sounds of things as opposed to, you know, a more Frogger-style game. I think it definitely could have a place on the Switch, but we'll just have to – I mean, more and more and more exclusives to different platforms these days have ended up coming out on other platforms, or they've been temporary exclusives, I guess you could say. So, mm. who knows? Nintendo's definitely had a hugely branched out when it comes to the Switch as far as what games are on it from what publishers, even just genres in general. Like, they've really tried to expand their library to be appealing to a huge, broad range of audience. So, who knows? Maybe, maybe in another week's time we'll see uh, – We'll see some uh, some Crossy Road Castle hitting it up on Switch. I'd be very excited for that. So what I would say, I guess, in conclusion is that it, like I think this is a really good game if you're looking for something just to do, uh, you know, almost like a like almost like a fidget game or a time wasting game. Maybe you're on the bus or on the train, and uh, maybe you've got a few minutes and you're waiting for the kettle to boil or something like that. Um, it's really good to play on the phone with the touch controls as well, um, and you, or you can play it on uh, in a more sit down sort of experience if you're in front of your TV. Um, it's an all ages game. It's there's nothing in it that would uh, uh, cause any issues for for kids playing it or um, uh, for young people playing that? I think everyone can enjoy it, but it has that same that really fun simple loop of just trying to beat your score because every time you yeah. finish all your lives and you can you can buy lives as you go through, but as you finish all your lives, you get this big sort of like escalating tally. This tower builds up with your score, and then at the end, oh, if you beat cute. your score, you get yeah. this nice big trophy that smashes on top of the tower. Um, and there's bosses in it as well. So as you move through the tower, you kind of see all the bosses that you've defeated in the in the progress. So yeah, that it's actually, yeah. That reminds me of when I was a kid, and I I loved Luigi's Mansion. I played a lot of Luigi's Mansion. And whenever you finish that game, depending on how much money you collected, you get like you'd get a bigger mansion. Like you'd buy a new mansion yeah. that wasn't haunted. Yeah. Luckily for Luigi, and like you know, and you'd get a little, you'd get like a nice little. You'd have your score of money, and it'd have a picture of the house or mansion. And if you didn't get very much money, you'd get like a normal house. Uh, if you got a heap amount of money, you get like this huge grandeur mansion. You're like, oh yes, I have a mansion. Yeah. Very exciting exactly. times when it's, I was a kid. It's all about yeah. competing on the size, Absolutely. the size of the tower or the size of the mansion. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, available now if you want to check it out. Um, you can play it with a controller with touch um, or you can play it, um, I think, also on the Mac as well. So that's uh, Crossy Road Castle by Hipster Whale. Sit down for a chat with your pals in video games. This is Mainstream by Pixel Sift. Now, Sarah, you've been playing a little game. A few people have checked this one out before. Uh, it's not actually brand new. It's been out for quite a while now. Um, but it, quite a it's, while, yeah. But it's a game that has evolved over time. It's it's something you could definitely describe as a game as a service, as a service-style game, because obviously content changes and things update all the time. Tell us, what is Rainbow Six Siege if no one has ever heard of it before? All right. So Rainbow Six Siege is a competitive first-person shooter. And in it, you play as uh, different special forces operators, and they all come from a variety of different countries, which is what's super cool about it. So it's based off, you know, things very rooted in the real world and maps and locations rooted in the real world and in different countries. So each character that you play as has a special ability or or a gadget that's completely unique to them. So that could be stuff like, for example, um, throwable um, cameras that you can position any any spot you want that you can use to get the drop on your enemy. Or it could be uh, an ability that it's like um, like a grenade launcher or something special like that that makes it gives the character an edge 
um, compared to other characters. So the whole deal is it's five players versus five players. One team defends an objective set inside a building, inside a certain room in the building, and, and while another team has to attack that building and to attack that objective. For example, the defenders are defending um, a bomb in the building, and the attackers, uh, their job is to try and get inside that room and defuse said bomb. And so, I mean, there is an element of like choosing the right role for the right situation as well, because um, yeah. you can sort of decide on what uh, what operators can be used in a certain circumstance, and that sort of changes the, the the makeup of the teams, right? Very much so. So you have five players a team, and there are a lot of operators to choose from, because every year they release new operators um, very frequently. Uh, I've forgotten the exact cycle, but there are regular seasons, and new at least two new operators come out. Uh, every new season and then that completely shifts up the roster that shifts up the balance of the game and they're constantly adding in new options and new ways for you to play because each character has you know their abilities can be very distinct and can completely change the way something's played for example one character has a full body sized um, shield that he puts out in front of him and he walks around with it and it means that you can't shoot any of his body at all and what's good about him is and he's an attacker so if you're you're defending and you're looking at a doorway for example and you're waiting for the defenders to come push you if he starts walking through that door and, and someone else sneaks in crawling behind him, you can't see them. So he can, he can be like an impenetrable wall that you can't get around. Another example would be um, for a defender. There's a character. In, in Siege, it's all about the intel game. It's about the information. You're always trying to get more information on your opponent without them knowing that you have that information. So you're always you know, cha- changing up the way you're sitting, what's happening, where you're going. And attackers have uh, drones, little... Um, uh, you can kind of drive these little drones around. They have cameras on them. So that gives you a sense of intelligence of, you know, where are the defenders? Where are they going? What what operators do they have? And as defenders, you can use position security cameras that are in set positions around the map. And you can hop onto those and you can see where the attackers are coming from, who they're using and, and what they're doing. And it's a communication sort of game as well. It's like it's Absolutely, all about how you yeah. talk to different players. And I, I guess the reason why we're sure. talking about this and it's a game that you've been playing a lot is because yeah. last night you, you actually <laughs> competed in a, um, a tournament um, called the... Uh, XP Esports Women's League. Absolutely, yeah. So they've just set that up to encourage um, more women in esports. There's definitely a general lack of female players for one reason or another. So this is really exciting. So I jumped on this as a as a chance to kind of meet new people because I don't I don't know that many girls that play Siege, unfortunately, and I very much would like to because there's definitely a lot of, a lot of girls out there that love this game as much as I do. Definitely more. So it's been really really fun. I've you know there's a, there's about five teams in total for the event, which is really really good for their very first um, for the first turnout. A range of different skills within that. It's really exciting. So it's I've just jumped on board as a bit of fun. It's the first time I've ever competed in anything, um, any kind of competition like this or any kind of tournament. So it's been really, really exciting and a, and a very different experience because especially like, you know, when you're there and it's being live streamed, it's very it's very high stakes and it can be a bit intimidating. But I think it really kind of pushed, pulls the best of the players out of that situation because you know you're definitely fighting for a tangible prize it's not just about you know the whole thing of like oh i want to have a good score next to my name in the game it's like there's, there's way more going on because we are competing for real money at the end of the day mm. in a situation like this and it, i think it, especially for me and my team it really pulled the best player out of all of us and what was really exciting how, how did it change the mm-hmm. the game experience for you though um in like how did it, how did that experience change i think um Siege has a lot of problems with toxicity, but that's to do with more the the wider community base. A lot of people um, uh, are just are just very nasty towards other players when you play that game. Unfortunately, online. So if anyone listening does like the idea of Siege or is thinking of picking it up, just just mute the chat. 
the second you enter a game, just just turn off every, just turn off chat for everyone. You'll have a play with friends. But um, what really changed it for me, I think, was partly that people weren't being toxic on the other team towards us, or we didn't know that they were being toxic at all. Because even if you know, even if you know, you jump into a game and then someone says, "Oh, screw you guys," or a much more expletive version of that on the other team towards you because you killed them and you're better than them, even if you mute their chat and you kind of go, "Okay, now I can't see them anymore," you know that they're upset. And that does affect your mindset going into playing in that situation. It made me super nervous. But at the same time, I think, you know, because we all signed up to be here and we all wanted to be here and we all wanted to be competing, I think that definitely helped. And it meant that my team was very, we were all quite nervous, especially the rest of my team. But I think in the end, it because we knew this was very important to all of us and because we know that we're being watched especially, I think we all really like pulled through and did way better than what we've ever played in any of the practice rounds that we've been doing together. Mm. And I think the tournament environment and the fact that it was live streamed, the combination of those was really the defining factor of all that. That definitely changed the experience a lot and made it a, a really positive one, mm. especially. Yeah. Well, but also I hand it to the event organizers for, for setting everything up because it very much was, was their hard work as well. Well, I think for what's good for this game as well, that if you wanted to get a taste for it, there is an opportunity for you to watch how the game is being played. And as someone who hasn't played a lot of it, when watching the um, the game being played, I kind of got the gist of what was happening pretty quickly. Excellent, um, yeah. And it sort of made sense to me. But it is a game that is five years old. They're in their year five sort of exp- expansion pass. I just counted them up. There are 46 different operators or characters you Damn can play. Damn right, there are. Yeah, but um, that gives you so much range. And I want to stress that because that's the biggest thing about siege that is so fun and every new character and this can have its problems obviously with with meta balance and such well that sounds like uh there's plenty of opportunities for people to get in um and give it a crack i think it's available on everything pretty much isn't it but you yeah, play it's mostly on pc on pretty much i play on pc primarily but it is available on xbox and ps4 and i'm pretty sure they're all updated about the same the same rough pacing so you can get into any of those platforms and they all have a very healthy uh, and very active community on all of them it's it's become very popular and i feel like it's going to potentially even become the new csgo as far as uh, competitive fps esports it's definitely um, risen to fame lately but yeah all right we'll see what happens to it though well remember if you're listening in in six months time if this is this uh, csgo uh sarah made the call now uh (laughs) keep listening in all right let's check out what's happening in the news this is mainstream by pixel sift Sarah, what have has been dominating your news feed uh, over the last, I guess, week or two? Well, aside from coronavirus and a, a significant lack of toilet paper in Victoria, um, but that's another story for another podcast. What's been happening is E3 2020. Now that's a huge event. It's a huge industry event, and it's one that has had a bit of a, you know, it's had a bit of a rough history the last few years. But so far, um, Los Angeles, where it's being held, has declared a state of emergency. And as a result, or just because of the coronavirus in general, Sony, EA, Google, and Facebook have all pulled out of the event. Now, those are four huge stakeholders. And I actually saw a map of the E3 show floor and like that someone had colored in red the, um, the booths of the companies that have pulled out. And that's a lot of space. Now, it, it should be worth there. mentioning, though, that Sony pulled out way before any of the coronavirus Absolutely, stuff yeah. happened. So they, they didn't go to the Sony. previous one. Um, and Absolutely. So but- Sony's already buggered off for their own reason. 
But I definitely, um, it's also been mentioned that some of those companies that have since pulled out, I believe it's probably um, EA, Google and Facebook, though, I'd have to go double check that. But we have, uh, there has been reports of some companies barring employees um, from even attending, probably just due to fear of the virus spreading. And uh, it's sort of been the conversation that's been raised because a number of um, out, uh, sort of outlets and publishers are now starting to do what, what Sony has done um, and run their own events during that sort of week or whenever they feel like it, really. Absolutely, yeah. And, um, I mean, the, Nintendo the- Direct's been around for a very long time and that's mm. been hugely successful. And you could argue because Nintendo is such a stable company, but I feel like, you know, Sony and EIA and Google and Facebook, they could all rise to the occasion and do their own thing. It's, you know, they absolutely have um, the following and the presence to be able to just go, yeah, we're doing our own thing now online. Come watch it here. And people will absolutely show up for that. It's, I guess the question, and it was sort of raised by Jason Schreier over on Kotaku, um, is to whether or not something like this might be the sort of death knell of E3. It's um, a big event where we see a lot of releases, a lot of the gaming news kind of came from that over the years. But an event like that used to exist because you needed to get all the world's game press into one place at one time so that they could write down the stuff, get the contacts, all of that information ahead of time. Um, but when this sort of online publishing experience, someone like a Nintendo, Nintendo who runs a Nintendo Direct or PlayStation who run their own event, do they even need anything like E3 anymore? So the question Absolutely. is raised whether or not this is the, you know, the nail in the coffin for E3. I mean, E3 does potentially uplift other smaller publishers that, you know, can ride off the back Sony and EA and Google and Facebook because, you know, when, when you're all publishing your or showing your trailers and releasing your game details at these events, people are going to tune in to other companies that they don't necessarily care about just because they're already there watching it or listening to it or they're already reading the articles about it. So I, I think we're probably going to see E3 eventually basically just crumble. But I, I wonder what the effect is going to be on smaller, small-time publishers because plenty of other smaller publishers have have their own, you know, people still love them. Devolver Digital, for example, you know, we all love Devolver Digital. We all, you know, like they're, they're a very beloved um, smaller publisher in comparison to something like Sony. But I do wonder, like, what kind of a larger effect this will have because E3 is like a big event each year that people tune into to see all the trailers, like all the trailers. I remember in previous years I would, you know, come home from work and I'd be like, all right, what trailers dropped today? I want to see. And I'd just go through all of them because I'd be curious. But I wonder if we're going to see potentially that, that drop off because, you know, if Sony starts doing their own event, and EA starts doing their own event, and Google and Facebook both go, yeah, we can do our own events too. We're not. We're going to see those companies have their own specific. You know, okay, here's here's what we're doing this year, and here's what we're doing now this year. But we're not going to have those whole E3 trailer compilations, or yeah. you know, what was dropped today. And that's what concerns me is we're going to potentially lose that. that and the, yeah, exactly. You all the other smaller ones alongside it. Definitely, and it would be interesting to see whether or not because um, a lot of those smaller game stuff uh, companies do get sort of rolled into those bigger presentations. It's uh, to see whether or not those smaller companies that are involved. Uh, get brought along the way, but um, yeah, I guess one to one to follow and uh, keep an eye out on uh, on pixelsift.com.au and on the um, the main uh, the indie podcast uh, Pixel Sift. Uh, if you want to find out more of that, that because we will definitely cover that one there. Hey, in sort of some- we're going to be keeping a close eye on E3 over the future and any other big industry events to see what happens because I think this is a change that was a long time coming and we're just starting to see it being implemented. 
Definitely. Uh, well, in kind of happier news, um, uh, some awards uh, were announced in the last uh, day or two. The BAFTA Awards, the British uh, Film and Television Awards, um, uh, have announced their Game Awards, which are a part of that. And Death Stranding and Control have broken the record with 11 award nominations each. Um, they're competing with each other in a lot of different categories, um, which is amazing um, for them. Um, but including uh, also up for the best game uh, is uh, Australian game. Uh, Untitled Goose Game, which is very exciting as well. Um, but yeah, it looks like it's going to be a, a cracker. It's been a really good year for games, actually. There's been some amazing stuff. It's been stuff. extremely good. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We've had so many big new releases that have been exciting. So many really solid indie releases. Even so many like major DLC releases. For example, Monster Hunter Iceborne mm. came out, and that that is effectively almost its own game in itself because it was such a huge expansion we've seen so much of that this year it's been very overwhelming even your resident evil 2 remake like i've i've just been overwhelmed because so much stuff has come out so soon i've just been like i can't i can't play everything i can't i can't keep up with everything and i just go back and i play siege which is a five-year-old game (laughs) (laughs) um so there's a whole bunch of uh listed titles you know uh, give me a category what do you want to know about there's all sorts of things like music and multiplayer or music or narrative or original what do you feel what 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 do you want to know who's on it i can give you a a, a snippet i want to know about original because that in itself is sounds exciting yes okay best original property so in that we've got barber is you control death stranding disco elysium the outer wilds and untitled goose game um and they've got a whole bunch of other ones as well so you can uh check a link in the the uh the topic uh notes for this particular episode on our website as well um of all these different uh amazing games i mean i mean you'd got to be happy with 11 nominations each uh oh yeah I sure that that's you know if that's record breaking that's extremely impressive and those are both two games that i've heard uh, a lot of you know mixed things about here and there but a lot of very very good things about mm. depending on, on who you talk to and i think you know, visually speaking, especially, um, Control looks really, really stunning, and especially a game that is based off, <laughs> uh, although that was inspired, not ba- not based off, I should say, that's it's a correct, incorrect, but definitely inspired by the SCP Foundation website. Which, if you don't know what that is, it is a um, it's a community made um, uh, creepy pasta, which has just got lots of creepy stories about. Uh, this fake organization that um, collects and studies anomalous objects, things, or creatures, or people, and just kind of you know studies them and writes about them. Yeah. And it's it's made by all these different people. And seeing that being like being a recognized you know source material or inspiration for such a, a mainstream game really stunned me because I was like, wow, people recognize this weird thing that we like on the internet, and that's so exciting. It's definitely because the SP Foundation means so much to so many people, me included. And it's really exciting seeing a game take a lot of similar concepts of that and what people love about that and making it into a really fun video game, especially visually. I think what the best thing about this is if you play games, uh, a lot of these games will be on Game of the Year discounts very, very shortly because oh, they picked up yeah, a lot of them. So if you me. are uh, yeah. a little bit behind, there's a good opportunity there to pick up some of these like Control, Death Stranding, maybe Disco Elysium or Star Wars Jedi I'm, Fallen I'm, Order I'm or, or so Outer Wilds or yeah. heaps, heaps and heaps and heaps to, to pick up there. So. I'm so behind because so many of those I've really wanted to. And then I just go and I boot up Siege. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's why you're competing with the best of them in, uh, in Australia. <laughs> I wouldn't go so far as to say the best of them. I think there are, but there, there are some very intense players out there. It's definitely been a good ride. You're listening to Mainstream by Pixel Sift. Visit us on pixelsift.com.au. 
All right. Well, that's uh, pretty much all we've got time for today. Uh, thank you for joining us for another episode of Mainstream. Uh, this is a Mainstream by Pixelsift. It's what video games the Pixelsift team have been playing and what they've been reading online. My name is Gianni, and uh, thanks for being a part of episode nine, Sarah. Thank you for having me, and thank you for letting me talk excessively about C. I love Siege. I, I, I get it. I think everyone knows that you love it now, <laughs> definitely as well. Good. It's great. You should try it. Uh, Brian Fairbank composed the mainstream theme music. Uh, he's from Salty Dog Sounds. Uh, you can check out Salty Dog Sounds on Twitter if you want to have a look. Uh, Sarah, uh, if people want to find you on Twitter, uh, maybe to see when you're next competing in a tournament, uh, where can they find you? Well, they can go and find me, and my handle is at PrettyFlyShyGuy on Twitter. And where can people find you if they want to know more of the excellent news and updates on stuff like E3 that's going on in the uh, best place to go to, you can find me on Twitter at uh, G underscore DI underscore G. Um, otherwise, you can give Pixel Sift a follow on social media as well. It's at Pixel Sift on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just give that a search. But the coolest thing to do would be to join us on Discord, um, where we are always on Discord all the time. And you can have a chat to us there uh, by going to pixelsift.com.au forward slash Discord. Uh, if you like this, you can check out our Australian podcast award winning indie game development show uh, search for pixel sift in your podcast player and look for our logo uh, if you want to find that it should be pretty close to where you found mainstream absolutely and we've got heaps more for you to check out so definitely go and check out our website where we post videos articles and much more on pixelsift.com.au and please give us a rating or review if you like what you see that's pixelsift.com.au and if you also like what you heard today on Mainstream or if you listen to our other podcast, Pixel Sift, and you like that, why don't you sh- tell a mate, show a mate about us, Get go on your mate's computer and add them to our Discord. It'll be fine. They'll love it because, you know, you just get them to subscribe on their podcast player of choice. Wherever. Just, just join, join, just get, just add, invite them to our Discord and don't tell them what it is. It's the just give g- them a cold invite. That's what I do. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Well, that's pretty much it for Mainstream. Until next time, have fun.